Hello, and welcome to episode two of the Deerfield Counseling Podcast. In this episode, we're going to continue the series we started in episode one about how to choose a therapist. Episode one focused on mental health credentials, understanding them, and understanding what they mean to you as a potential client. In this episode, we're going to focus on another important aspect of choosing a therapist, and that's finding the right fit. Now, many years ago when I was in college, I worked as a shoe salesman. It was a very interesting job, and I got to meet a lot of interesting people. I could probably do an entire podcast just on some of the stories from those years of my life. But a big part of my job when I was a shoe salesman was to fit shoes on adults, children, everyone, really. Now, there are certain things that I was taught when I first became a shoe salesman about uh, how much room should be left in the shoe and how tight it should be. I was given certain parameters that indicated a good fit. But what I quickly learned when I started actually working with real customers was that fit was very subjective. Some people preferred a looser fit, while some people really wanted their shoes to fit very, very tightly. So what I learned about that was that fit is very subjective. What constituted a good fit for one person might be too tight or too loose for another. I think choosing a therapist and finding the right fit with a therapist is very similar. Fit is very subjective. But in this episode of the podcast, I'd like to offer seven areas that you consider when you go about making that search for the right therapist. Now, let me say from the beginning here that I think one of the best ways to get a referral to a therapist is from a trusted friend or a trusted medical professional. Someone who has inside knowledge about that therapist's practice, how they do things, and their skill level. That's probably the absolutely best way to make a decision about what therapist is right for you. But let's say you don't have that. You don't have a friend who can refer you to their therapist, or you don't have a referral from a trusted medical professional. How do you begin? Well, maybe one of the best ways to begin is on a website like Psychology Today. Most therapists will have an ad in Psychology Today that gives you a feeling for what kind of therapist they are. It will list their credentials and other information as well. Once you've filtered for your area, you have a list of potential therapists. But how to choose between all of the people on this list? Well, I hope episode one helps you understand the mental health credentials and all the letters after everyone's name. But how do you narrow that list down from there? Well, let's talk about seven areas that I think are important in choosing a therapist. Area number one is location and setting. Now, I never suggest that people choose a therapist based on where they're located exclusively. Just because the therapist happens to have an office right down the road from you certainly doesn't mean that they're the best therapist for you. But geographic location is something you should consider. Maybe you're not comfortable driving a half an hour to see a therapist, or even 10 minutes. You will likely be visiting this therapist's office multiple times a month. So you want to choose a location that's easy to get to, has ample parking, and is just generally easily accessible for you. It's also helpful to consider the type of office building where the therapist is located. Now, some people prefer a large group practice, going to a, see a therapist that's housed with many other therapists. 
while other people feel more comfortable going to a solo practitioner in a small office where they don't have to worry about running into other people or seeing other clients in the waiting room. If you want to get a feel for this setting that the therapist works in, a good resource to use is Google Street View. Google Street View is a service offered by Google where you can type in an address and see the view of that building from outside. For example, if you typed in Deerfield Counseling in Portage, Michigan, you'd see that my office building is a fairly large single-story building where I share space with attorneys and two other therapists. Being comfortable in your therapist's office is very important. So this small step of checking Google Street View is one way to get a feeling about whether you would be comfortable in that office environment. Now, the second thing I think you should take into consideration when choosing a therapist is whether their values will align with yours. Now, I'm not saying the best therapist for you is the one who votes the same way you do. I'm not saying that at all. What I am saying is that you want to find a therapist whose values align with yours. What's that mean? Well, let's say you're really into complementary and alternative medicine, or CAM. You'd want to find a therapist that can be affirming of that and will encourage you in that area. Or maybe you're Christian, evangelical Christian. You want to find a therapist who can be affirming of your religious perspective. And the opposite's true as well. If you are non-religious, maybe you don't want to choose a therapist who's an evangelical Christian or who may be using prayer or religious interventions as part of their counseling. Again, here, using a website like Psychology Today can be very helpful because Psychology Today will mention, usually in the sidebar to the right of a therapist's profile, what areas they specialize in, and you can get a feel for what their values are based on what they write in that section. A third area that I think is important for all potential clients to look at is the identity of the therapist they're working with. Now, in my experience, some folks uh, prefer to work with a male therapist, while others prefer to work with a female therapist. Other clients may prefer a therapist who's older than them, or younger than them, or maybe a therapist that has a similar cultural background as they do. Again, as I said before, feeling comfortable with your therapist is extremely important for therapy to be successful. So you want to pick someone that you feel comfortable with individually and that you can feel comfortable being vulnerable with. Now, some people may feel guilty about preferring a male therapist or a female therapist or a gay therapist, but you shouldn't. You shouldn't feel guilty about that. There are many therapists out there, and for your therapy to be successful, you're going to need to find someone you have that elusive fit with. So it's okay to have a preference in this area. It's okay to prefer a female therapist, for example, or it's okay to prefer a therapist who is married if you're working on marital issues or as a parent if you're working on parenting issues. It makes complete sense. I was once working with a client who was struggling with some substance abuse issues. And in one of the first sessions where we met, he asked me, Charles, when was the last time you were drunk? It's quite a, quite a question to ask your therapist. But for him, it was really important that he work with someone who had some experience with drinking too much. And after a little hesitation, I answered that question honestly. So when you're picking out a therapist, if you're interested in knowing whether that therapist has personal experience in a particular area, 
For example, if you want to know whether that therapist has a personal recovery story or if they're in recovery themselves from substance abuse, it's completely okay to ask the question. Now, don't expect your therapist to give you a bunch of details on their personal lives, but it's completely acceptable to ask that question if finding a therapist who has personal lived experience in an area is important to you. So another area I think potential clients should look at when they're trying to find the correct fit with a therapist is to look at whether the therapist has any special training that might be relevant to your issue. What do I mean by that? Well, we've talked in the last episode a little bit about play therapy and the RPT certification that some play therapists have. Let's say you're seeking therapy for relationship issues. It's certainly relevant to see if the therapist you're considering has specific training in working with couples. Maybe they have specific training in certain couples modalities like Gottman Couples Therapy. Or maybe you're interested in seeking out treatment for trauma or PTSD. It would probably be relevant to see if the therapist in question has any specific training related to treating PTSD. For example, training in EMDR or eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. That'd be a relevant thing to look at. Or maybe you're seeking treatment for an eating disorder. Eating disorders are very specialized areas and the therapist you should be working with is one that has specific training in uh, assisting people who have eating disorders. So investigating whether the therapist you're interested in has special training is very relevant. Where can you find this out? Again, our old friend Psychology Today. Most therapists will list specialized training that they have or special certificates that they have right on their Psychology Today profile. Now, if the therapist you're interested in working with has a website, oftentimes you can find more information about their training on that website. Now, on my website, I list links to the specialized training that I have, specifically in Gottman Method Couples Therapy, EMDR, and Emotion-Focused Psychotherapy. So don't hesitate to follow the link on their therapist's Psychology Today website to their personal website to get more information about this. So a fifth area you should consider is whether that particular therapist that you're interested in accepts your insurance and what their billing procedures are. For example, do they accept credit cards? Do they expect copays at the time of session? Will they send you a bill? All these are relevant factors to consider. It's also a good idea to verify with your insurance company what your coverage is before you start counseling. Why is this important? Sometimes you may have a large deductible on your insurance plan. If you don't know this going in and see your therapist for four or five sessions, you could incur a bill of four to $500 without even being aware of it. So it's always a good idea to check your insurance coverage plan before you get started to be aware of what the financial impact of counseling will be. The last thing you or your therapist want is for you to be negatively impacted financially by seeking out help. Now to get answers to the final two areas that I'm going to suggest you look at, you really have to do something that I highly recommend before choosing a therapist, and that's to do a phone interview with that therapist. Why is this important? Well, you can only learn so much from websites. To really get a feel for who this therapist is as a person, you're going to have to talk to them. Now, most therapists are willing to do phone consultations or phone interviews for free. Some may even be willing to meet with you 
for a short period of time for a face-to-face interview and provide that service for free. I strongly, strongly recommend that you take advantage of this before choosing which therapist to work with. Many times I've had clients call me and ask to interview me over the phone and ask some questions about who I am as a therapist before choosing to work with me. It's completely acceptable to do that. It's completely acceptable to request a phone interview of 15 or 20 minutes, to ask some pertinent questions, and to get a feel for who they are as a person. So when you complete this interview with the therapist on the phone or in person, I'm going to suggest that you ask at least three questions. Now, it's completely acceptable to ask other questions, but these three I suggest that you ask right off the bat. Number one, what is your therapeutic orientation? This is extremely relevant because there are many different schools of therapy. Even though you may not know all the details of this person's therapeutic orientation, it's relevant to ask them to explain it to you over the phone. Once they do, you ask yourself this question. Does this feel like a therapist I can work with? Does this orientation make sense to me? Does it feel like this person's understanding of how to help me jibe with who I am as a person? Now, the most empirically supported and well-researched orientation to therapy is cognitive behavioral therapy. There have been countless studies, and you can Google it to find out, on cognitive behavioral therapy and its effectiveness in helping people who suffer from depression and anxiety. Not to say that other orientations aren't important as well, but it might be useful to have a therapist who has at least some comfort and skill and training in cognitive behavioral therapy. So after you ask about this therapist's theoretical orientation, I think it's very helpful to ask whether they're a directive or a non-directive therapist. What's that mean? Well, directive therapists feel comfortable in directing you and giving you suggestions and homework to improve your condition, where non-directive therapists tend to take the opposite approach. They tend to listen and encourage, but not necessarily direct you in making different life decisions. Some people do better with directive therapists. Some people do better with non-directive therapists. So it's important to ask that of the therapist you're considering working with. Are you a directive therapist? Are you going to give me suggestions? Or are you more non-directive in your orientation? The last question you should ask during the interview is, are you a long-term therapist or are you a short-term therapist? Do you see most of your clients for years or for months? Before you start working with this therapist, it's important to know what you're getting yourself into. Does the therapist expect to work with you for a very long time? Will they take a long time to develop rapport with you? before giving you direction and trying to help you? Or are they more action-focused, solution-focused in their orientation? Will they want to try to help you as fast as possible and their expectation be that you only see them for a number of months? And finally, last but not least, the final factor I think you should consider when you are looking for a therapist and you've done this type of interview with your therapist is your intuition, trusting your gut. Do you get a good feel for this person? Do you not get a good feel? It's okay and completely reasonable to trust your gut in these situations. If you've been interviewing a therapist that looks so good on paper, but during the interview you just don't get a good feel for it, well, maybe that therapist just isn't the right one for you. It's okay to go back to the drawing board and start your search over. I hope these tips about finding the right fit 
will help you find the right therapist for you and to begin a fruitful therapeutic relationship. But before we close this episode of the podcast, I wanted to cover one more area. And that's, what do you do if you've picked a therapist, you've started working with them, and you run into some problems in your relationship? Maybe your therapist said something to you that was insulting or upset you. Or maybe you feel like your therapist really wasn't listening in that last session and didn't really get what you were talking about. How should you handle that? This may be unsurprising advice coming from a therapist, but I think you should talk about it. The client-therapist relationship is a very unique one. It can almost serve as a kind of social laboratory where you can get useful feedback about the way you interact with others in a relationship that's not only supportive, but also low stakes. If you do have a conflict with your therapist that you can't resolve, you're not losing a relationship that's intimate to your life. For example, the relationship to a spouse, a child, or a best friend. So your relationship with your therapist provides you many opportunities to experiment with different ways of coping with conflict. So if your therapist says something that upsets you, tell them. Therapists are not perfect people. We make mistakes just like everybody else. But sometimes those mistakes can offer great opportunities to work through issues in the therapeutic relationship. Sometimes when you're working with a therapist, you can get to the point where you feel like you're not making much progress anymore. Well, if you get to that point with your therapist, tell them about it. Tell them about how you're feeling and problem solve together on how you can get back on track. While finding a good fit with a therapist is very important, no relationship is perfect, and all relationships include some level of conflict. So please be honest with your therapist when those situations arise. And don't give up on the person at the first sign of conflict. Good therapy means building a relationship with a therapist. And in order to do that, sometimes it means sticking it out. So that's all for this episode of the podcast. I hope this podcast and the one before it has helped you move towards making that important decision about which therapist is right for you. Now that you understand mental health credentials and you understand some of the things you could t- should take into consideration when picking a therapist, the only thing left now to do is, well, to go out and choose someone. Choose someone and get to work on making your life a little bit better. Thanks for taking the time to listen to the Deerfield Counseling Podcast. Before we close, I'd like to thank Hawthorne Music for writing and performing the music you hear in this podcast. Until next time, be well.